Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's Nick Sirianni after the game doing some snow angels in the confetti at Lincoln Financial Field as the Eagles advance via a 31-7 victory. There they are, having a good time, soaking in the moment, enjoying the spoils of victory. And 31-7 combined with 38-7, that's 69-7 if my math is correct, and it rarely is. Have a couple of cigars there. Jalen Hurts. (laughs) Enjoy that. Just chill and relax and have a cigar. In your purple leather jacket? Wow. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't don't know about about the, yeah, I don't know about wearing the purple on purple. Oh, boy. Um, But the the Eagles, Chris, look. And and this one, I I got a ton of respect for the 49ers. They lost Brock Purdy early. And there was a point where it was tied 7-7. It's like, how is this game tied? How are the Eagles not up 21 to 3 in this game? Now, eventually the floodgates opened, and it was the drive after the 49ers scored their touchdown to tie the game. It's almost right. like it woke up the Eagles. Yeah. And, and they, they needed it's like, okay, their quarterback goes out. It's kind of like what the Jaguars did last Saturday. I, I felt like, you know, the team that benefits from the quarterback injury, uh, was kind of lax, like this is going to be easy now. And the other team buckled down, and the 49ers rallied, and the defense played better, and the offense stepped up. And then it finally knocked the Eagles to their senses, that they still have a game to be played here. The 49ers aren't going to forfeit simply because they're down to Josh Johnson at quarterback. And, And it took a while, and it was exciting, and it was dramatic, and I thought the 49ers are going to hang around. Yeah. But the Eagles, when they finally woke up, that was it. That was that. 21-7 became 28-7, became 31-7, and the Eagles advanced to their second Super Bowl in five years. Yeah, it stinks. I mean, come on. None of us wanted to see that yesterday. None of us. 
There's two teams. We want to see them at full strength in the biggest game of the year to go to the Super Bowl. So that was anticlimactic. It really was. I mean, you see the Brock Purdy injury here. Again, this is what the Eagles are the best pass rushing team in the history of football other than the 85 Bears. Uh, that that's the, I don't think they're getting enough credit for how awesome their pass rush is. And this was a game-changing moment, obviously. And, you know, again, one of those, Mike, that's one of our pet peeves we talk about all the time. You can't have the tight end. Tyler Croft should not be guarding one of the best or blocking one of the best pass rushers in football. You know, kind of a schematical error by the 49ers. Rare for them to do that. But, yeah, that, that was the, the beginning of the end right there. Because from that point on, it was just like, oh, man, okay, yeah, Josh Johnson. And, you know, they hung around and they were tough. But, you know, to kind of what you were saying, you're kind of like, how long can they do this? They can't really throw. It doesn't look like they can really run their offense. Josh Johnson looked uncomfortable getting out of the huddle a few times and unsure of, you know, what exactly the play was or whatever. He's new there. I mean, it's a tough situation to be thrown into all of a sudden. So that's where that stunk. I mean, again, I just wanted to see two teams that we know have tons of heavyweights and killers on it go at it. And that kind of just swung the pendulum in the Eagles' favor. And they, they kind of played conservative and slowly wore down the, the 49ers and their lack of being able to do anything on the offensive side of the ball. And more on the quarterback issues for the 49ers coming up. For now, I want to go back to that play. Yeah. We, we saw Tyler Croft try to block Hassan Reddick. We saw Tyler Croft on his knees 10 feet away from where Reddick ultimately hit Brock Purdy. Let's take another look at that, though. This is something that you complain about all the time, and rightfully so. And, hey, this is your guy Kyle Shanahan drawing up this play. This isn't some schmuck. He's he's drawing up no doubt. Tyler Croft trying to block us on Reddick. I mean, come on, man. How many times do we have to see something like this happen where the tight end is not suited to block one of the not just any old defensive end, one of the best pass rushers in football this year. Right. One of the very best. No, it it, it and, but you know it, again too and I mean you're saying it right. Shanahan is is usually the top X's and O's guy there is. We know that. But this is the bind the Eagles put it put you in. You know, if, if you you see the start of the play, it's a five-man rush. They got five defensive linemen in. You know, and then, okay, a tight end stays in as your sixth guy, and they're trying to use the other five guys for, hey, yeah, maybe the 4D lineman in case somebody blitzes. But uh, that's where it's unfortunate. That's what great teams do to you. They put you in a few schematical situations where you go, man, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to, but I got to take a chance here to make this happen or, you know, protect against this blitz. And it came back to bite them in the ass, not only just for that play right there, but that was night-night. I mean, like we said, that was kind of the, the beginning of the end there where you just, man, can the 49ers really manage or weather the storm here? And slowly but surely the Eagles just wore their butts down. It reminded me of something I really didn't want to think about yesterday. You know, both games yeah. yesterday made me think of recent postseason failures by the Minnesota Vikings, whether it's <laughs> a quarterback throwing short of the sticks on fourth and six or – and let me set this up before we roll it. Five years ago, right? Vikings go down the field, score a touchdown in Philly in the NFC Championship, go up 7 nothing. Matt Casey texts me, congratulations. I text him back a middle finger emoji because I don't need to hear that when it's seven, nothing, but the Vikings were hot knife through butter that day. They stopped the Eagles. They have it again. They're moving pick six. Uh Oh, 
It's 7-7. Then the Eagles get it back. They're up 14-7. Now the Vikings were driving. They were inside the 20 and, you know, about to make it 14-14 or 14-10. Things feel like they're, you know, balancing out. The game's settling in to what it's eventually going to be. Tight end blocking a pass rusher. It was Derek Barnett, then a rookie, first-round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't even think he's on the team anymore, frankly. Coming around the edge. We got the video. He is. Coming around the edge to get Case Keenum, get Case Keenum, and out comes the ball. Here it is. Tight, that, that was a tight end going across in motion to try to get the defense. That's even more ridiculous. You put the tight end in motion to try to take out Derek Barnett. Good luck with that. Yeah. Out comes the ball. A few plays later, it was Alshon Jeffrey for a 51-yard touchdown pass. 21-7. Game over. So don't have tight ends try to block pass rushers, especially when the tight end's going in motion across the formation. No, it, it, it's a too tough of a task there. Again, I think that was a calculated gamble, risk, whatever, by Shanahan and company. When they lost, they did. Uh, but that's that's kind of like what we were talking about. Those great defenses do to you a little. They put you in some spots where you take some chances there, and that one hurt. It really did. I mean, that was you know certainly one of the marquee moments of the early game or of the early game. Let alone the first drive. You know, with the one-handed catch right with Devonte Smith. That certainly was another thing to where. You know, it was a huge part. Got the Eagles up 7 nothing. You know, they drove down, scored the ball, right? Like, hey, ooh, man, it was hard work. They, ooh, but they're up 7 nothing, And we never got to see that one-handed catch, you know, all the way there either. Those were two big parts early on in the football game that kind of swayed the direction. The quarterback issue also needs to be addressed from the perspective of the defunct third quarterback rule it used to be that you had 45 guys in uniform yeah and you could have a 46th if it was a third quarterback and it was this weird quirky thing that if the third quarterback entered the game at any point before the fourth quarter the other quarterbacks could never come back in the game which right. never really made much sense to me but they wanted it to be a true emergency option you got nobody else and then come the fourth quarter if you want to get cute and use the third quarterback for some other purpose you can in 2011, they just said, just go ahead and dress a 46th man. The problem is the vast majority of teams only dress two quarterbacks. Yeah. They use that 46th spot on someone else. And now do we need to have the third quarterback as a 47th man? Maybe we do because, Chris, you know, it is a ca- another calculated risk teams take. And teams will say, if we're down to our third quarterback, we're screwed anyway. That's fine, but at least you have somebody who can play quarterback that doesn't, you know, look like a complete and total travesty of putting Christian McCaffrey under center. They should have at some point because what happened was Brock Purdy gets injured. He can't throw the ball more than five or ten yards because he's got an ulnar collateral ligament slash nerve thing. They don't know the extent of it, but he may need surgery. We'll find out. Then Josh Johnson comes in. He gets a concussion. So instead of just saying we're going to go old school single wing Christian McCaffrey wildcat they they put Brock Purdy back in and Brock Purdy can't do anything it's a wasted man you're playing 10 on 11 at that point but if you just have a third quarterback on the roster in uniform they did have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster he just wasn't in uniform but if you have that third quarterback in that situation it just doesn't feel like a mess like a disaster like an embarrassment to the sport where this team is just trying to get through the game and get it over with. It just felt like they're just trying to get through the damn game yeah, and get it were. over with. It really didn't feel like they were being competitive or had any chance whatsoever 
once they were down to no quarter, no healthy quarterbacks left. And so that third quarterback rule maybe needs to come back. Not that teams are going to have three good quarterbacks, but at least you got somebody who is schooled in the position of quarterback if that emergency does unfold. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it just didn't seem right yesterday, I think, to your point. For a game to go to the Super Bowl, it just seemed, yeah, that it was one team kind of an amateur hour because of their quarterback situation where they couldn't do anything. And that is tough. And maybe that is something the NFL has to think about there. Because, yeah, they had to put Brock Purdy in. You know, one, yeah, I'm sure they would have like, hey, let's put McCaffrey in and let him uh, be the Wildcat quarterback and do all that, except that they probably never really called plays. So that was another thing, too, where you go, oh, wait. So the, you know, that's where another quarterback, of course, would be able to make that transition a little easier. But just unfortunate. I mean, it really was. What a great run by the 49ers. I mean, that was special. It really was, again, with a third-string quarterback to dominate the way they did the last half of the NFL season, you know, two playoff victories, and then get there, and we go, ooh, man, can they really do this with the rookie Mr. Irrelevant quarterback? And to have that injury that early on where it felt like, hey, I, 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 it felt like, listen, we know the Eagles are awesome, but the 49ers belong. I think we both... We could look at that, and you went, oh, oh, yeah, the Eagles scored in the first drive, but damn, it wasn't easy. A shoestring third and six catch, a jump ball that wasn't really a catch that set them up for the touchdown. I just would have liked to have seen two of these, these two teams at their best go at it, and uh, we were kind of cheated of that. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a hell of a game if Brock Purdy had stayed healthy the whole time, and he could have really staked his claim to be the – quarterback of the 49ers moving into 2023 and beyond now who knows no let's just let's just pause for a second i just posted this poll on twitter who do you think will be the week one starting quarterback for the 49ers we'll have plenty of time to talk about as the season unfolds but as it's as it's fresh what's your gut feeling trey lance brock purdy jimmy garoppolo tom brady who's it gonna be oh that's uh yeah yeah I, i i mean jimmy garoppolo no negative ghost rider he won't be there jeez I, I I almost – I don't even know what I want to say. I do – I'm with you with the Brady thing. I mean, I don't know where that goes. The Brady thing is interesting. It's like we we said all last week. I don't think he, – he's, he's going to a team that can win the Super Bowl. And here's a team with a weird quarterback situation. So, yeah, I got my eye on this one for sure. I'll go Trey Lance right now, but I don't feel good about it. I don't. I, I have no idea. It's crazy. We're talking about a team that's that good. I don't know who the damn quarterback's going to be the start of next year. <laughs> but isn't that isn't that amazing? It's isn't amazing. that amazing? As it's good amazing. as they are, that's been the Achilles heel. It goes yeah. back to not evaluating Patrick Mahomes because Kyle Shanahan was determined to get Kirk Cousins, yeah. then enter Jimmy Garoppolo via trade, and then no thanks to Tom Brady in 2020 when he wanted to play for the team, and then maybe last year that weird moment in time where Kyle Shanahan doesn't go to the combine, Tom Brady's sleeping in his old bedroom at his parents' house in San Mateo. Brian Greasy has just arrived as the quarterback's coach, the yep. former Michigan teammate of Tom Brady. A little fishy. Something's going on little here. little fishy. Something's going on <laughs> right, here. Right. Back at a time when he was going to Miami, right? <laughs> right. That was plan A, and plan A got blown up by Brian Flores. Right. So there was something weird happening, and now we – hey, Kyle Shanahan, when they played the Bucks this year, he spoke candidly of the regret – that he and others yes, he did. are feeling because they just thought based on 2019, Brady was done. Right. And they found out the hard way Brady's not done. And you, you chalk part of this season up to all the turmoil he went through in Clyde Christensen, the 
Buccaneers now retired, forced out quarterbacks coach, everything Brady was going through, that helps explain it. They're the early results, and a wow. lot of times the early results hold. It's a tight so, one, uh, We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a story that dominates the offseason. Now, a story that that uh, would have dominated yesterday if it was a close game. The fourth down catch, back to throwing well beyond the sticks. This was the first drive. It was fourth and and three, three I believe, I from so. the 35-yard line. Right. right. Jalen Hurts rolls left. And forget about the red line. I'm going for the goal line. Unbelievable. Directs traffic. Devontae Smith. What a catch. And then, you know, you can't see anything from the initial angle to suggest he did not secure the ball. But he gets up quickly. They come up to the line of scrimmage. Fox doesn't show us the key replay until after the touchdown and the extra point and back from commercial. Kyle Shanahan didn't see this angle. They sure as hell didn't put it on the video board at Lincoln Financial Field where it's clearly incomplete. So no red flag is thrown. No challenge is made. And, Chris, here's the most important thing. And Fox was working pretty hard to give broadcast partner NFL a pass on this. Mike Pereira, and I love Mike Pereira, but I'm calling BS on Pereira basically saying the league is – stuck with the same angles that we get and and i know in the truck they're looking at all the different camera angles and sometimes they find one late and then they have to say gee do we do we even show it at all we didn't find it in time we should have found it sooner the nfl's got access in real time to all of those angles and more they have the hawkeye system they tout it all the time they're in the command center at 345 park avenue and they've got everything there every angle and they didn't see it either because that's one of those plays where thanks to the expedited replay review the sky judge whatever name you want to apply to it they could have stepped in and said after further discussion the ball struck the ground it's an incomplete pass Kyle Shanahan shouldn't have even had to throw the red challenge flag so it wasn't just him not throwing the flag. And I, I guess you could argue, oh, he should have sensed something was up. Oh, he should have thrown the red flag because the Eagles are moving fast to the line of scrimmage. How many coaches throw a red challenge flag based simply on possibility because the offense is hustling? You're, you're throwing away one of your two red flags. That's right. And a timeout when you have not seen it yourself right. and none of your people have seen it. That's right. That's a lot to expect of Kyle Shanahan. Right, right. And if he challenged it and he was wrong, everybody would go, oh, you're an idiot. You didn't even see the replay and you challenged it. What an idiot you are. You know, it, it, it's, again, it's another one of those, like, you know, Jermaine Pratt with the Bengals game. You, you can't win sometimes when you're in professional sports. You can't. But, like, it, it's – it's um. It, that's one where, uh, like, I'd like to see the NFL jump in there. You know, I've, what was the number one telltale sign right away that you didn't think that maybe it wasn't a catch? What was the number one thing? Exactly. Devontae Smith getting okay. up. He knew. So he right knew. away. Let's I mean, go. come on. We've all watched well, I'm sitting there going, I don't think he caught it. That's why he's doing it. I'm yelling this to my son and my wife. I don't think he caught it. I don't think he caught it. That's why he's doing this. I mean, that was the telltale sign, right? They hadn't been running the hurry-up offense at all before that. So – that's one where why can't the league just slow down play for a minute and be like, we're going to see this the right way, and the referee's going to put his foot in the ball and be like Captain Morgan for a second, and we're going to sit there and make sure we get it right. 
Like uh, that, that, that to me is where the league or Sky Judge or somebody should step in and be like, "Hey, hey, 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 they're hurrying up. That's great. Hey, get you know, hey, Johnny, Johnny, get on the ball here. Stop it for a second. We just got to see one more angle here before we let you know blow the whistle for play. That's all it had to be done. And those, that to me That's is a easy. great point. Yeah. For, and, and, you know, for the same reason that some are saying Shanahan should have seen that frenetic effort by the Eagles as a sign to throw the red flag, that should have been a sign to the officials and to 345. Exactly. Hang on, hang on, hang right. on, hang on. I mean, if you can come in and kill a play during the play and do a mulligan because the play ran forward, you could – because really, what's – We've this, seen them huddle and do stuff all year, like the whole year. Right. Now in this game, this is when I wanted to see you get it right for sure. So yeah, that's where it bothers but, but let's, me. Let's 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 trade. Let's take this all the way back to the origin of replay and understand where this logic flows from. It's very simple. They set up replay review so that you have a window to try if you have that red challenge flag to overturn the ruling on the field, or the booth can buzz down. Up and until the moment that the next play is snapped, until it's initiated. So that tells the team that thinks they may be getting away from something to put the pedal to the metal and get up there and snap the ball to short-circuit the whole process. This is all part of a strategy aimed at short-circuiting the fair and just process of reviewing what happened. So I think they're fully within their rights. Agreed. And this is something, I guarantee you, somebody from NFL Network is going to say the NFL is going to consider in the offseason changing the mechanics to allow the officials to pause the action so that an expedited review has a fair chance of occurring. Because that's ultimately what it comes down to. You don't get a fair chance if you're Kyle Shanahan to decide whether or not to throw the red flag or if you're the sky judge, expedited review, booth assistant, whatever, to to figure out what's going on because they're trying, the team that's trying to get away with something is trying to short circuit the whole process. That doesn't seem right to me. And if it doesn't seem right to me, my sense is it doesn't seem right to most people. And maybe it doesn't seem right to the league, Chris, and they'll do something about it. Yeah, hopefully. And again, it's, we know how the game shook out. The Eagles won. We know that these are just things. I think we're, we're looking at it as fans of the sport, two guys that love the sport. That, that, you know, we just go, hey, you could clean that up and fix that. So we don't have to worry about that, you know, that play being the difference of a game where it's, oh, wait, the Eagles won 28-27. And now all we're talking about on a Monday morning is that play that maybe they didn't win the game with if they didn't have that. So, you know, it, it didn't come back to haunt the NFL or anybody else there. But, yes, as much as we saw the referees group huddle, listening to their ear the whole year, that's one where, yeah, you wish they could do that and see that the – the fix was in a little bit. That obviously the Eagles were worried about something. Let's slow it down. Let's get a look. Let's get it right uh, and move on from there. But yeah, just big moment in the game. You got that play right there, seven nothing. Wow, Brock Purdy right after it, and you just felt like the Forty ers were hanging on for dear life. Kind of after that, slugging it out, being physical, playing tough, but just you know, with a, with a leg chopped out from underneath them as far as how they could compete against the maybe the most well-orchestrated team in all of football in Philadelphia. Before we put that Devontae Smith play completely to bed, let's give Kyle Shanahan an opportunity to explain why he didn't pull out the red flag and throw it on the field and get what would have been the ball first and 10 from his own 35. Here's Shanahan. On the first drive, the replays pretty clearly showed that Devontae Smith did not catch that ball. Why wasn't the challenge? 
because the replay we saw didn't definitely show that. They actually, we saw one up on the scoreboard. I was going to throw one anyways just to hope to take the chances, but they showed one up on the scoreboard um, that didn't have all the angles you guys saw, and that looked like a catch, and so we didn't want to waste a timeout, which we definitely would have if we didn't see that, but then I heard they got a couple other angles, and you guys end up seeing later that it was not a catch. Yeah, it's... I mean, that, that's the thing. He could, I guess he could have called timeout and hoped that somehow the Fox truck would have produced that's, that replay right. faster. Right. And, and, and Fox is skating with no scrutiny whatsoever on this. Um, th- that's part of the obligation is to have eyes on that board and spot the replay, find the angle. And this wasn't some obscure angle after sifting through 20 different cameras. That, that's a, a, an angle the, the trailing the catch. I'd like to think that of all the people that are sitting in that truck trying to produce that game, and this would apply to any network, you got eyes on those screens, and somebody's going to say, hey, 27, there it is. Pull that one up. Oh, there it is. The ball's on the ground. I don't know how that doesn't come up sooner than it did. We didn't see it at all until after the commercial. We didn't see it on the ensuing plays. We didn't see it before the extra point. And I just I wonder whether somebody was tempted to just pretend they didn't see it at all. I I wondered I wondered, but I was going to go back and DVR it. What they showed one replay of like they, a montage I think going away to commercial, and there was one right before they cut away where I went I I you know got up I was like I don't think he caught that ball, uh, and then they came back and they showed that exact angle and you realize he didn't, but you know, it's it's a tough situation. And and I think you know the the thing you brought up is probably the the best way a coach can combat that. You know, coaches, yes, timeouts are they're dear, and we know how important they are. But first half timeouts, okay, they're not the end of the world for a situ- situation like that. Maybe you do burn it and go, okay, we're gonna take a hey, my team, it's emotional. Let's take a deep breath, anyways, and let's take another look at this you know play right here. Let's regather ourselves anyway so we're at full strength to stop them inside the 10. Maybe that's the only thing you do any differently. But it's a tough situation. And, yes, you'd like to think that this day and age, 2022, 97,000 cameras at every freaking game, that you could see a replay within 10 seconds after it happening to know like whether that should be challenged or not. So that's, that's disappointing, too. You can blame Shanahan to a degree, certainly, but you're right. The NFL, Fox, everybody's got to take a little blame in that. That was a very tough situation. And the easy fix, and this is a great idea from you, and I'm going to pull that thread and try to articulate it and maybe get some people to listen and act on it. There has to be a protocol in place for pressing pause because this isn't a strategic. It's know what you know it when you see it. Exactly, this, this is not strategic. They're not in a hurry up offense. We're we're, we're, at, we're not right. going into hurry up offense. Right, right. We're not trying to catch the defense in a favorable uh, selection of players. Exactly. We're trying to get the ball snapped so so somebody doesn't have a chance to go back and take away that thing we got that we shouldn't have gotten because right. we know it, and we want to get this ball snapped before they figure it out. There's just something viscerally wrong with that, and we've accepted it for twenty plus years. It's just part of the game. It's part of the strategy. Oh, we got away with one. Go snap the ball, snap the ball, snap the ball. Yes, we got away with it. I mean, what kind of message does that send? If you're fast enough, you get away with shit? Come on. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the time has come. And that's why these big standalone games where we all watch 
Because these things happen from time to time when they're playing nine games at once. Very rarely does one thing pop out above everything else. And usually it happens in a primetime game where we're all watching. This is a moment to have. And there are multiple things that came out of yesterday where the league can say, we should look at this. We should look at that. We should look at that. So we're just trying to help make the game better. We're not trying to bring anybody down. We're trying to avoid these situations in the future. Because you're right, Chris, they got lucky. They got lucky that the thing with the mulligan in the Chiefs-Bengals game didn't affect the outcome of the game. And they got lucky that that didn't affect the outcome of the game. Because if it had, it's all we'd be talking about all week long. That's right. That's right. You know, and, you know, fortunately we're not. But, yeah, these are things that I think for the betterment, the better of the sport, we'd like to see him fixed, you know, going forward. We can make it better. You know, we, we, don't, we don't see that in any other sports, right? I mean, we don't, we don't want to see that. I, I'm watching the Australian Open. We don't go, oh, it was out. Hurry up, serve the ball. It was out. Cause we're gonna, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Hey, give me the ball, kid. It was, kid, it, give me the ball. It was, a, it was a home run that was foul. Oh, hurry up, pitch it one more time because I don't want them to figure out it was really a foul. Like, come on. That's where we're, we're better yeah. than that. We've evolved as humans in the sport and everything. That's where we can get better. But, hey, the, the more important thing is, and let's not forget about this, the Eagles are going to the freaking Super Bowl, right? They're a damn special team. You know, it stinks the way that game unfolded. Jalen Hurts, obviously not totally 100% yet, but I think once they realized the situation of Brock Purdy, they kind of played conservative and just said, let's just win the game. Let's not worry about how we look or how many highlights are on TV later on. So uh, really, really a lot of credit to them. Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, the job he's done there. Howie Roseman, I mean, just five years ago, to, to be in the Super Bowl with that team and to kind of rebuild the team to where we're going, this is one of the better built, complete football teams we've seen in the league the last few years. I mean, there's not a real weakness you can look at anywhere. Uh, it, it's it's, uh, it's going to be cool. It really is. And then you add in the fact of Andy Reid and Mahomes and it's the Chiefs and the Eagles and all that. Wow, I know I'm excited. It's like it's a great Super Bowl matchup and we got two you know Clash of the Titans type teams here in the AFC and the NFC. When you look at the overall offensive production of the Eagles yesterday, if you would just cut it short of their total touchdowns, you would say, I think they lost the game because it wasn't overpowering offensively. 121, I think, net passing yards, but but they still got it done. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll give the Eagles more praise for what they pulled off and maybe focus on some things they need to shore up if they're going to beat the Chiefs. By the way, they are two-point favorites, the Eagles, heading into Super Bowl 57. But as we saw last week, those lines can and will move. We'll take a quick one, and when we return, more talk. Eagles 49. We'll take a quick one, and we return more talk. I I need to. I I know. know. Sometimes we land the plane smoothly, and sometimes we crash it into the mountain. (laughs) Sue me. Well, the Empire State Building, apparently this is tradition when teams qualify for the Super Bowl. I don't remember this happening five years ago when the Eagles made it. The New York Empire State Building. New York City basking in the glow of Eagles green and white. I I don't think that was a thing because I think it was a great tweet by you, though. You made me laugh out loud when I saw this. (laughs) I knew you'd like it. I knew you'd like it. As a Giants fan, I knew you'd love it. They've been waiting to use these green lights. We were dying to use these green lights. We can't ever use them here. (laughs) Uh, They quickly changed it to red and white 
after the Chiefs won in the AFC Championship. Let's forget about the green and the white. But, yeah, Giants were not happy about it. <laughs> Giants were not happy about it at all. Uh, and, uh, oh, well. Oh, it's that. cool. Uh, hey, listen. Nice little- it, it's I, I never knew about the championship game thing. I, I, I was just talking to you know producer Pete here dur- during uh, commercial break. Like, uh, Super Bowl? They've always done that, or at least I can remember them doing it here for you know a good amount of time. The championship game one—that's new to me. I, I don't recall them changing the colors for those teams. It's cool. It is. It is New York, right? I feel like New York, in a lot of ways, is you know de facto capital of the world, and of course the most notable—what did I say? Notorious or most Notorious, notable city noticeable. in our country. There we go. That's where I wanted to go to. <laughs> Notary public. I guess. I don't know what I was trying to say. Uh, so they're trying to show love to all of America here, not just the New York teams. Well, we got to show some love to the Eagles, though, and Jalen Hurts specifically. Let's have a listen yeah. to Jalen Hurts about how he has transformed from a rookie season that was rocky to a second season that showed promise to a third season that has him in line to get paid a hell of a lot of money by the Eagles. Let's have a listen to Jalen Hurts. Well, my, my first year here, I mean, they probably didn't even want to draft me here. You know, it's probably one of those things, but it, it always handled itself. You said a little bit ago they probably never wanted to draft me here. Did you mean the front office, the fans? Explain that. I mean, I know, uh, you know, there was a big surprise to many. Big surprise to many. But my favorite verse, uh, you know, I went through a lot of stuff in college and it kind of stuck with me, John 13, 7. You may not know now, but later, later you'll understand. Hopefully people understand. Caleb, how proud are you of, for handling the way you handled the championship game against Georgia? How proud of you of, for the way you handled that situation? Um, we got new moments. New moments and new times. You know, I think my character... I've been raised to be who I am, and I think as the times change, the character doesn't. So I always try and never get too high, never get too low, and I always give my best. This is going to be a challenge for the Eagles, though. There was an item yesterday from Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, and this is a talking point that pops up from time to time. You get quarterbacks on rookie deals, and three of the four quarterbacks playing yesterday on their rookie deals, low cap numbers, Once you get a Joe Burrow on a second contract, a Jalen Hurts on a second contract, how do you construct it in a way that you have enough left over to put a team around the great quarterback? How do you do it? How do you fairly pay your quarterback what he has earned and what he deserves? How do you placate him? How do you have enough dollars left for everyone else? That's the moment from several years ago that caused Dak Prescott to give you the side eye before he finally got his four-year, $160 million contract. Well, now now he's got the whole team looking at him the side eye, though. Now that he's got the whole team looking at him with the side eye, I will say that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but you've got to perform yeah. if you're going to have that. Exactly contract. right. That's, that's the key. Right. And that's I'm not I'm not. This isn't a knock on Dak, but you, you can't you can't, can't play the way you did field. last week. You can't right. be inconsistent. Right. You you have to be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And and that's the reality. You know, Joe. I I when when I saw that article, my first thought was, well, you know what? Joe Burrow is a guy that understands the value of having good players around him. I I would trust Joe Burrow 
to just figure out his own contract. Joe, just tell us what you want. <laughs> yes, seriously. Here, here, just take the checkbook. Right. You tell us what you want. You're right. a smart guy. You understand how this works. You know there's got to be money left for everyone else. And that's why I keep pushing this idea of giving the quarterback a percentage of the cap. I hear you. I've yet to hear a sound argument in response to the idea that you take a certain percentage every year. 12 cents on the dollar, 13 cents on the dollar, whatever it is goes to your quarterback, and the team has all the rest of it to go out and put the players around him. And the other side of it, too, is teams that don't recklessly trade away their draft picks have a nucleus of guys every year that are on their rookie deals, that are getting peanuts in comparison to your star high-end players. It's on you as the team to draft and develop, draft and develop the young guys because for the first three years, we can't give you another contract. You may be an all-pro every year. We can't do anything about it until you got your three years in. So it, it is still incumbent on the team to use those draft picks wisely, sign good quality undrafted free agents, and put the players around your star quarterback. But, you know, for some quarterbacks, the answer should be we're not going to pay you. The Rams should have done that with Jared Goff three years ago, and they eventually paid for it. Uh literally and figuratively by what they did with Jared Goff. Other teams need to be ready. And some guys are going to fall into that golf where maybe we shouldn't pay him. Yeah. But some guys clearly Joe Burrow, you don't have that. You don't say, well, we'll just go find another Joe Burrow in the draft. You pay Joe Burrow what he wants and you trust that he's going to be fair with you to allow you to put a team around him. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, either Burrow hurts. They're going to have to pay them a lot of money. Right. We know that. I do think to your point, you know, they're a little bit like, Mahomes or Josh Allen and the fact that they're not going to look to go like, oh, we, I just want to hammer the team and take every bit of cash they got. Uh, to what you said, I think you know Jalen Hurts is going to sit there and go, damn, I want to make sure A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and Lane Johnson and everybody's here with me. Hey, that's part of it. And Again, you know what, what a better example. The guy that we all call the GOAT did that, and yeah, maybe the, was forced to do a corner with the Patriots a little bit. Uh, as far as the money was concerned, but did it, and he he reaped the rewards of it. He always had a good team around him, and he won seven dance Super Bowls. So there's something to be learned learn there. But I mean, Jalen Hurts, of course, you know, hey, I was wrong. Yeah, I you know questioned how good he was. Just crap. He's definitely a top ten quarterback in football. What he's doing, he's one of the greatest leaders in the sport. You know, you could tell even right there, it doesn't even seem like he's happy. He won the NFC Championship game. He seems like he's still, you know, like chippy and like, I'm going to prove you wrong, still more there to it. I love that about him. I do. You know, and again, he's done a great job as far as leading the team, making big plays, running the football, doing that. And then the way they're playing is formulated around his skill set now uh, to where they got something special going here yesterday. I don't think he was 100% yesterday. I don't think his arm is totally there, but he was playing a really good defense, and like we said, I think they were being a little conservative, too, once that Brock Purdy injury happened. Um, but you know, this time off, I think, will be big for him to where he can be totally full go, feel totally normal for the Super Bowl, and, and give that shoulder a little bit of a rest. Yeah, we want both starting quarterbacks to be as close to 100% as possible for the Super Bowl coming up in 13 days. And I think Jalen Hurts, that laser focus, not satisfied with simply getting to the Super Bowl, wants to get there and win it. And that leadership is so important. That's why, look, I understand that wins aren't apples to apples, quarterback stat like a pitcher would be. 
but there still is relevance to having a guy sure. that lifts up the team, yep. that leads the team, that inspires players, that holds them accountable, that gets them to do more than they otherwise would do. There is value in that. And Jalen Hurts has that. He has that. He told me that after they beat the Steelers. He's starting to feel this team take on his personality. He's the coach's son. He views it a certain way. He brings that to the table. And you combine that with the physical skill. You get a coach on the field that's got a high degree of physical skill, you got something special. That's right. And that's where the Eagles are. And that's why they they will pay Jalen Hurts. I feel like the Eagles have always been kind of ambivalent. Always kind of looking. You know, they've been linked to some of the guys that have been available. Uh, you a know, lot. And, the last and there two off-seasons. There may, there, there, may, there may have been a point last off-season when they were maybe kicking the tires on a guy named Kyler Murray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, you know, uh, but, but that was before Jalen Hurts has this third year where he breaks out and becomes a guy where he's your guy. Yeah. There's no, right. there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it at this point. He's the guy you need to keep. He's the guy you need to rally around. And uh, and I think he he can be as trusted as Joe Burrow to be reasonable when the time comes because he yeah. knows the value of having money available to take care of the rest of the team. Yeah. So the Eagles are in great shape. The Chiefs are in great shape. The Bengals are in great shape. I mean, look, we're, we're the Eagles were just here five years ago with a completely different team, yeah, right. but they still have the structure in place to constantly reload. And the chiefs do too around Patrick Mahomes. It's get, get used to seeing these teams among the top in the NFL. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. And, 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 you know, again, not only because of the quarterback situations, but the people running the show behind the scenes, they got a, they got a formula and a plan that they adhere to. And they have an eye of talent that is special and they're not afraid to make the tactical aggressive move a little bit. Whether, you know, oh, hey, we're going to trade Tyreek Hill away. Okay, he's awesome. Or we're going to trade and get A.J. Brown, whatever it may be. But they've done the things, too, that you've discussed where they've drafted and developed. They've been very good in those areas and then splashed in some free agents with it. And then you add that quarterback and a damn good head coach on both sides. That's where we're going to get an awesome Super Bowl. I I hope it will be. And uh, the, the Eagles probably wish they weren't favored. Uh, they they, they want to have that chip on their shoulder, and and we'll we'll see what happens over the next thirteen days, how it goes, all the news and whatever comes out about how healthy Patrick Mahomes is or isn't, Jalen Hurts is or isn't. But hopefully, it's a good, exciting game that isn't marred by any of the stuff that we've been talking about that uh, that that may have caused some problems if those calls had affected the outcome of the game. Let's take a break. The coaching carousel continues to spin three weeks later only one job has been filled four remain open it may be down to three pretty soon we'll talk about that when pft live continues right after this home isn't just a place it's a state of mind like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by Good afternoon. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, if the Cowboys can't play in a conference championship game, they may as well make some news during one. This came out during the action yesterday. Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator, out. The official statement came after the games ended. Mike McCarthy, head coach, says after continuing through our end-of-season review process and having additional discussion, Kellen and the Cowboys reached a mutual decision to part ways. I want to thank Kellen for his deep commitment, hard work, and dedication that were a core part of his time with the Cowboys. Mutual decision, my ass. When are these ever truly mutual, right? Other than we don't want you here anymore, do you want to stay? Well, if you don't want me here, why would I stay? I Come on. Um, he's still under contract for one more year. And at one point, he was the guy who was kind of, you know, Jerry Jones is always looking for his next Tom Landry. The guy he's going to groom, the guy that's going to be there forever. It was going to be Jason Garrett, and that ultimately didn't work out, although he was the head coach for nine years. And then Kellen Moore's the guy that there's this thought they're going to eventually ease him into the job. Well, that didn't work either. And now McCarthy's going to call the plays. You've got seven assistant coaches gone now from a team that was 12-5 and in consecutive seasons. This is just weird in Dallas right now, Chris, and it just feels like half measure after half measure in an effort to make the team better – they're taking a chance they're going to make the team worse. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. But but Jerry's going to be aggressive. He wants better results from his football team. And I think, you know, I, I, and I guess I'm surprised to see this with Kellen Moore. But, uh, like, not surprised in some ways. One, I mean, I think if you look at it, Dak Prescott took a step back this year. Didn't play very well. Offensively, I mean, we're two years in a row where – you know, the offense laid an egg in a, in a playoff game against the 49ers. And I think what you start to look at, too, a little bit, and, and something at least that what I talk about on my podcast a decent amount when I break down the Cowboys in that offense, is just when their run game doesn't work, their offense just isn't that special. It's just it's not creative enough in the passing game, as you saw last week. Listen, Dak Prescott didn't play well. There was certain those are bad interceptions, and he certainly had a few plays or throws that he could have capitalized. But I didn't come away nearly as impressed with that game plan as I did other teams that you know attacked the 49ers this year. So uh, I, I think there's more to be had in that department. And I'm with you. Mutual. I mean, nobody nobody leaves the offensive coordinator job of a team. Uh, that you're the Dallas Cowboys and you were one of the five best teams in sport. Yeah, I'd mutually like to leave one of the greatest jobs in all the sports. That's right. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, obviously there was something wrong there, and they weren't happy with it. And they're going to go their way, and we'll see how Mike McCarthy can do, you know, call and plays. That'll be interesting too. And that's where I have a hard time separating the two. They performed poorly enough that, the guy running the offense under an offensive head coach yeah. should be fired, but the head coach should stay. That it it's just it's just weird to me. And with Sean Payton kind of dangling out there, you want to make this team dramatically better quickly, you just flush 
everything. Maybe you keep Dan Quinn as defensive coordinator with Sean Payton. I don't know. But it's just odd to me that that they're doing these mini changes instead of going all in and just pressing the reset button on the coaching staff because they basically are. They basically are resetting the coaching staff. They're making it harder. You can have all this change now. And and sometimes change can be invigorating, but it's it's complicating too. Yes, it is. And they got a lot of work to do. You got players like Michael Parsons wasn't happy that George Edwards, senior defensive assistant, was let go last week. I mean, you've got new faces, new personalities, new ideas, new this. It's not all going to be smooth. And it, it makes the off-season program critical for the Cowboys, and they really just need to get things buttoned up and ready to go because they're going to have the target on them next year. Uh, you know, they, they, they have had two consecutive very good years, and they're going to make it harder for themselves to have a third one yeah. with everything they've done, Chris. Yeah. Obviously, someone's not happy, right? Jerry, the message, some of the you know play within those certain those positions, he feels like there's got to be a shake-up there. You know, within the coaching staff and a new look, a new energy, and a new plan of attack. Uh, Dan Quinn's back. That's that's probably the most important thing. We've seen what he's done. They're creative on the defensive side of the ball. McCarthy. Hey, I always found it interesting that yeah, was an offensive play caller. Took a lot of heat at the end of the Green Bay when he was the head coach there, and then he came back to Dallas and was like, "Whoa, I don't want that heat." Here you go, Kellen Moore. Well. Obviously, you know, I to me that this would this has the smell of the Jones family as well. Like, hey, we hired you because you were a good offensive mind in Green Bay. So how about you start, you know, doing our game plans and all that? Um, it, it, it's interesting, but obviously the, the 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 Cowboys are not happy with the way things have turned out, and I understand that. You know, they're they're impatient, and I understand that too with Jerry and the AGs at right now. I wonder if it was as simple as. Who came up with the idea to put Ezekiel Elliott at center for our Stanford band play? And Kellen Moore said, I did, and you're gone. Uh, <laughs> that's all. Thank you very much for your candor. Now let's have a mutual decision that you're not going to be the coach here anymore. And at least they waited until after it played out for him in Carolina because he could have been the head coach there. We've seen that before where a team's thinking about moving on from a guy, but they just don't do it because they want to give the guy the opportunity that he may have somewhere else. But uh, – it's it's just it's going to make things more difficult for the Cowboys. Also, new quarterbacks coach Doug Newsmeyer, he's out, so they got to find a new guy who's going to be the main person getting Dak Prescott to the best of yeah, his ability. See, I think that's his where this is year, all right. Statistically, statistically, his best year was when Jason Garrett was the coach when he was a rookie. I mean, yeah. he really hasn't matched those numbers since then. No, I, I I I feel like that's where a lot of this is coming from. You know, the pressure of Dak, the contract. It feels like the Cowboys were pressured into that to a degree. They want, you know, we we heard kind of Jerry talk about this a few years ago. They want their quarterback, who they're paying forty five million to be a star and take over. Remember, they lost that game up in Seattle, and they were like, "Hey, Russell Wilson, he runs around and does all those things and says that." Yeah, they want more out of this position, especially with what they're paying. And then, of course, C.D. Lamb and some of those offensive line, offensive linemen they got, other weapons, Tony Pollard, all of that. You know, I think they looked at it and go, well, we, we kind of underwhelmed in that department. It was a good year offensively, but I think there's you know, probably a little more meat on the bone as far as their concern and what they are capable of, and that's where they're going to go back to the drawing board. Meanwhile, D'Amico Ryan's a 49ers defensive coordinator heading to Houston this week. The expectation is he will become the next head coach 
of the Texans. He was Defensive Rookie of the Year with the Texans in 2006. Later was traded to the Eagles and actually, Chris, sued the Texans and everyone else who had potential responsibility for right. it after he tore an Achilles tendon on that field in Houston at NRG Stadium. So, uh, that, but that, that, that look, that's it's an injury case. It's it's far different from that the is. kind of allegations we're seeing in the Brian Flores litigation. Right. No grudges held by either side, and it looks like Ryan's is going to be the next head coach of the Texans at a time when the Broncos. I think there was a point last week where the Broncos wanted him. And uh, it, it may be that the decision to go back and see Jim Harbaugh face-to-face, that may have been the thing that soured Ryan's on potentially coaching the Broncos. So wow. uh, we, we've got the rest of the week to talk about all the ins and outs of the coaching searches. The Broncos are a hot mess right now. Seems they really like it. are. Yes. It feels that, it feels feels like, that I mean, way. They would right. say everything's going exactly according to plan. Of course, that's what they have to say. But the, all is well. Nothing to see here. But the Texans have a coach that hopefully, if they hire Ryans, will be there for more than one year. I'm not sure of many things for the coming year. I'm fairly certain that the Texans will not go, Chris, three straight years, one-and-done head coaches. No, and, and, and D'Amico Ryans has you know incredible potential. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of speaks for itself. And it took over San Francisco. They never missed a beat as far as what they are on the defensive side of the ball. Lost like DeForest Buckner when they took over. There was some changes to the football team. You know, he added his own little, you know, his own little repertoire and you know, his 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 sprinkle of creativity along with the defense. There's great energy. Uh, they're extremely sound, as you talked about so many times. You know, obviously has the eye like Shanahan and Lynch to have guys that are crazy and just run through a wall and don't ask questions. Uh, it's a great hire. He's definitely one of the best young coaches in the game and excited for the Houston Texans if if it does happen or when it does happen, and it seems like it's going to happen. Offensive coordinator will be a key hire there, especially if they go quarterback with their first-round pick in the draft, something that would have been the number one overall pick if they had just managed to lose that final game to the Indianapolis Colts, which they obviously did not. All right, let's take a break. We actually have seen a video four weeks to the day. It was three, three weeks and six days from DeMar Hamlin uh, thanking everyone and anyone that helped him get to where he is now. We'll play some of it for you and talk about the status of DeMar Hamlin. And I can't believe it's only been four weeks it is crazy. since that happened. It feels like it's been four years. We'll take a break and do that next here on PFT Live. I'm so thankful to everybody. I know that it isn't enough just to be thankful. This is just the beginning of the impact that I wanted to have on the world. And with God's guidance, I will continue to do wonderful and great things. I couldn't do this without any of the support and the love. And I can't wait to continue to take y'all on this journey with me. There he is, Bill Safety, Damar Hamlin video posted over the weekend and we are assuming that is the real DeMar Hamlin not a clone that was one of the crazier conspiracy theories of the week that he actually died from the vaccine it was a body double last week at the playoff game and uh and everything is fake it's not really DeMar Hamlin I I'd like to, I'd like to think that that video yesterday will shut those <laughs> people up hopefully for good Chris uh, it'll never be for good. There's always idiots on social media, so that's not going to happen. But it's really good, okay, that DeMar Hamlin was there, right, and looks healthy 
and putting good messages out into the world. I mean, that's the most encouraging thing here. And good for the Buffalo Bills. It was a lot they had to deal with. Um, so I'm just glad to see him in a, a good place mentally. Looks physically good there, right? I mean, everything seems on the up and up. And um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm still interested to hear what his, what his frame of mind is as far as playing in the future. You know, again, I think he's one of those guys that loves football, and he might actually think about it here again. I'm interested to see when that conversation comes up. Yeah, he's still early in his career, and he's still working his way through the rehab and recovery process, but he's got the full offseason to get himself back to 100%. Right. We saw this in the immediate aftermath. When you are a highly trained and physically fit professional athlete, you tend to the, the the body composition that got you to the point where you're a pro athlete kind of kind of takes over and you get through things more quickly and more easily than than normal people would so uh it's great to see where he is again it's only been four weeks it feels like a lot longer than that but we'll be tracking Demar Hamlin's journey as the off season for the Bills continues to move forward let's take a break and when we return we'll share some first thoughts on Super Bowl 57, including the fact that the Kelsey brothers are going to be meeting with one Super Bowl ring up for grabs between them. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Drive this online. People are calling this the, the Kelsey Bowl coming up. Talk about the feeling of being able to Man. brother. Um, haven't talked to him yet, but a uh, cool, cool scenario to be in. You know, um, my mom can't lose. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Well, one of them's going to lose. Jason Kelsey officially done being a Chiefs fan this season. They've got that great podcast that uh, they've been doing all year long, very popular, and there should be a couple of interesting episodes between now. I wonder if they'll just freeze each other out. I wonder if they'll just not talk to each other until after the Super Bowl. Maybe they'll postpone any further episodes of their podcast until after the game is played. It's, uh, you know, it's 10 years after the Harbaugh brothers squared off. As head coaches, we've got two brothers on opposite sides trying to get that one Super Bowl ring, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It really is. One, what they both have done individually uh, as players. I mean... They're going down in history is like in the conversation of the greatest players at the at their position, respectively. Uh, that's that's what's amazing. I mean, damn, Kelsey's amazing uh, on the Chiefs. I should say greatest pass catching tight end maybe in the history of the game. You know, Jason Kelsey on the Eagles. Oh my gosh, have we ever seen a center as athletic as he is and some of the stuff he's doing? Uh, just it's amazing and I, I don't even know if that's good for the parents that's a tough one it's like yeah one one and the other one's crushed for the next month that's a hard situation to be in it's kind of the gift and the curse there but man that's what's amazing about this Super Bowl matchup traditional you know <clears throat> teams from the AFC the NFC they've both been very relevant like we were talking about earlier in the show for the last 20 years and then you throw in the Kelsey thing and the Andy Reid thing and it's Patrick Mahomes in his third Super Bowl, and it's Jalen Hurts in his first Super Bowl. There's just a lot of cool things to dissect over the next two weeks with this one. The betting line has moved a lot since the game was locked in. MDS has this item at PFT. At first it was a pick 'em, 
Then the Chiefs were favored by one point briefly, and now it's settled in at Eagles minus two. Patrick Mahomes has never been an underdog with the closing line in any playoff game of his career. And also, only six Super Bowls have had a closing line of two points or less. Oh, well, I, th- this is one that I feel pretty confident in that it will come down to the end. That's for sure. I think in totality, the Eagles are a better football team from top to bottom. But what's that mean? I saw just three years ago a team uh, called the San Francisco 49ers that were better in totality. And it didn't matter because, you know, the Chiefs weren't that less then. And then they got this damn special quarterback. So that's where, too, hey, health, the Chiefs, their receivers, they got to get healthy here. Mahomes' movement is going to be even more crucial in this matchup than it was against the Bengals. This is a way better pass rush than he saw last week. You know, so that's where he's going to have to move and create and buy some time. Uh, his, his progress in that department will be big time here over the next 10 days to see where he can go. But uh, I'm excited. I certainly expect a really, really close, awesome football game. We've seen two Super Bowls from Mahomes, one where he was 100%, one where he wasn't, where he had the turf toe, and how he struggled to stay ahead of the pass rush. And look at that Eagles pass rush. That really is going to be the key. How healthy can he get, Chris, in the next 13 days? Because if he's impaired at all, it's going to be a lot like it was in Super Bowl 55. Not that he'll be running for his life because he's not going to be able to run. Right. He was able to run, but that toe slowed him down. That's going to be the key. How healthy can he get in the next 13 days? Yeah. That's going right. to – we won't know until the game starts, but that's going to be a big factor. Well, hopefully he, he doesn't re, – he didn't re-aggravate it too much yesterday like you were talking about. That will be the first step. And then the other thing is their offensive line much better than it was against that Bucks team. So that's where they got a fighting chance too. That's it for now. See you tomorrow. Have a great Monday. See ya. Home isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside. With a warm drink, or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm, short rib. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.